check. Uh, Charles and I are back. We are here. Welcome to Real Nerd Hours, your favorite slice of life podcast, ostensibly about nerd shit. I'm still uh, not chat. I'm Denzel. Uh, and this week we're talking about a handful of things. Um, I don't know. It's it depends. Wild card yeah, wild card day. Uh, we've got a few topics here and there. But let's start off with uh, you, Charles. Let's start with the remainder of your Kingdom Hearts review. So I finished it uh, Saturday, Sunday. I finished it Sunday. And uh, got to tell you, liked it a lot. Got real emotional. I'm a big baby, it turns out. Jeez. Oh, it's, uh, it's an ending. It, like, it did wrap up. They said, uh, or Nomura said it was going to wrap up the... Uh, the Xehanort saga, I guess. That's what the current stretch of games has been called, is the Master Xehanort saga. And it's over. I don't know. I liked how it ended, but I don't know how satisfying it is in terms of like how uh, people who consume media are used to narrative structure working. Because it does kind of... Oh, go figure. That's that's definitely like peak Japanese shit. Yeah. Run a game franchise for like 20 years and then kind of leave it on a limp dick ending. Yeah. Well, let me guess what the ending is. I have no idea what it is. But turns out Sora is Satan the whole time. And oh, no, this is the one I did last week. Okay, never mind. It is exactly the one you did last week. Yeah. All right. Never mind. I tried it. But let me let me guess. Um this is some peak anime shit for sure where the uh, ending is left super ambiguous or more ambiguous than it should be. Uh, yeah. Somebody wanders off into the sunset uh, never to be seen again to complete some quests that they haven't mentioned before. And then it's like, oh, well, what do you know? Uh, he's gone forever. Oh, did uh, you play the game? <laughs> is that really how it ends? I There's some real satisfying stuff that happens but then like the actual actual ending i was like come on man (laughs) okay okay. i still enjoyed the ending but like between the actual ending like the ending after you've done the beat the final boss and then there's a post-credit sequence and then there's also a secret ending and i've not seen the secret ending uh not because i like only want to watch it if I unlock it. I don't give that much of a shit. I just couldn't find a. Uh, I just didn't have the time to find a, a high quality rip of it. It was just a secret thing. But from what I've like read, it's definitely like leading into more stuff. But oh, cool! Another twenty years of yeah, exactly. really shitty a, stories. If uh, if it happens in a timely manner. I can't wait then. for the Kingdom Hearts Battle Royale game that comes out. <laughs> Just Keyblade Builders. That's what uh, the mobile game. <laughs> yeah, right? It's That's part of the problem, right? Maintaining relevancy for the next 20 years yeah. or whatever. Who I mean, f- just do cares? Just knock out two games in the next five years. Just do that. We'll see if they can. Yeah. They probably made a shitload of money off of that. It, uh, it hit, uh, what was the... It shipped five million in like 
this weekend. Oh, that's cool. So, I mean, it's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll do a we'll do a spoiler thing another time because it's still pretty recent. Yeah, definitely. But definitely. there is no. Yeah, we'll say I'll save it for the because it's it's a big dumb moment. I was like, this is while I was playing it. I was like, this is fucking stupid, but it (laughs) it tracks with, uh, all the other stuff that is forced to be relevant because of how long this series is, but it's a very big moment, uh, that has very little plot relevance, but it's made, there's a big deal is made of it when it's happening. That sucks. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, is that everything you got anything else without getting into spoilers? Um, I was satisfied with it. I don't think it's a good ending. Okay. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. And I guess I liked it in the same way I liked the Power Rangers movie. Oh, the most recent one. Yeah. Like, I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun getting through the experience. But I don't, I can, I can see that it's objectively, like, not great. Yeah, for sure. So, let's say uh, I were to get into kingdom hearts would you recommend that i actually play any of the games i saw so yeah i would okay because um one of my coworkers asked me about it and my girlfriend asked me about it and i was like they're most of the last third of kingdom hearts 3 relies on you the player having a connection to a lot of the characters and if you haven't played the game uh you won't give a shit because you haven't like that's kind of one of the things with games is I mean, I guess a game with like good writing can also draw you in because the writing is good and that's why you care about the characters. But I guess there's only so much you can get. I mean, if you watch a playthrough of it, you'll probably enjoy it. Like if you don't, if you, because it's fucking all over the place, it's almost impossible to play all of the games. Yeah. But uh, if you were to watch uh, like a no commentary playthrough of the first two games, uh, the movie version of three five eight and uh like get a summary of chain of memories you could enjoy kingdom hearts three i think you could strip it down to that well i guess you'd also have to get some stuff from birth by sleep okay like i wouldn't watch a full run through of birth by sleep i would just like If you could just get a summary of Birth by Sleep, because it's that game is too long, because it's the same story stretch. It's like a story stretch out across the three characters. It just takes too long. I, I tried to watch the run through of it, and I couldn't. And I liked the series, and I was like, I can't do this. The okay. game is tedious to play through because the controls are for PSP, and uh, but like it, it just drags. It was like I think it was too early in the franchise and didn't really like have they're like we're gonna tie this in but it's set ten years before and they didn't really tie it in so that sucks aside from like but there is plot there's stuff that you need to like know who the main antagonist is and why they're searching for specific people mm-hmm. like you need to know like without uh, Birth by Sleep you don't know who Terra Aqua and Ventus are or really what. Xehanort looks like because you, you only see him outside of if you don't play birth by sleep you just see this old guy who doesn't look anything like the heartless and nobody that you've been fighting so they established that if you defeat someone's heartless and their nobody then they're recompleted into their original body so you fight the first game you fight ansem who is this like a ripped tan dude with long white hair and in the second game you fight Zimnus, 
who is a less tan uh, ripped dude with different long white hair. <laughs> and so you would, you would think, and based on what you see from like other times this happens, that when having beaten both of them, their original form comes back together and he's going to look sort of like the two of them. And uh, you don't see them right away until birth by or dream drop distance. And it's this old ass man, like the world's oldest man, voiced by Leonard Nimoy. Rip, who they put replace him with in this game. Rutger Hauer. Okay. Which was an interesting choice because they did not reveal it until the game came out that it was Rutger Hauer. Hold and, on. What was Rutger Hauer in? Is that the dude who played the substitute? No. Uh, Rutger Hauer. I had like. Oh, no. That's somebody with. Uh, his name is like Treat Williams, I think. Played the substitute. Treat Williams. If you anybody at home, if you're listening to this, look up Treat Williams. That's a it's a hell of a name. Uh, Rutger Hauer was the the replica, the main replicant in Blade Runner. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, he was. That's the only thing I recognize him from. Looking at his movies, I know he was in Batman Begins, but I cannot for the life of me remember who he was. That's huh. I didn't know that. Liam Neeson is also in Batman Oof. Begins. Yep. Telling his old fucking man stories. Unprompted. That's Un- the craziest was it, thing. Was it really unprompted? Un- no one asked him <laughs> any of that shit. <laughs> oh Nobody. Oh my God. That interview was just about the movie. And I guess, I guess he told that story in like, just as a way to relate to the character like like a situation where he was like out for revenge but it's like holy shit dude it's you could have gone to your fucking grave with that story <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like a lot of people are of course making like a big hullabaloo out yeah. of it but it's like a he states that it was 40 years ago i don't think he's lying yeah and b it's like this is not a surprise. The man is from Ireland. Yeah. Uh, he's he's from Ireland, and also he's old as fuck. Yeah, it's fair. And, like, he's probably creeping in a senility with all the jogging he has to do on set. <laughs> I watched a bunch of anime recently. Oh, yeah? Something that I'm not proud of. I watched that show that Chet was telling us about on the show, uh, Shield Bro, uh, The Rising of Shield Hero or something mm. like that. And that show, it's not good. It gets my dander up, though. It makes me yeah. really upset, and I want to see how it ends, but it's not good. It, what it is is effectively they call in this hero, and a bunch of the people just hate the shield hero for whatever reason, yeah. and then he comes back to get revenge at some point. In the anime, I'm at the part where they keep fucking with him, and he gets all emotional and shit because he's being bullied. So rather than actually trying to murder people and get revenge, he just takes it like a champ, which I'm not into those stories. Apparently, in the manga, he gets revenge, as uh, as told by Chet, but mm. we'll see. Odd choice for my neighbor to play right now. Um, If you're hearing that audio in the background, that is my neighbor playing, I don't know what the fuck it is, maybe Rock Band again. Shout out to anybody who's still who's playing still rock playing rock band. band. I was about yeah. to say that's some good shit. I still own Rock Band, but it's because no one will give you any money for it. <laughs> even it's just I just have the guitar because I wasn't about to drop three hundred dollars on the uh, the whole box. Yeah, fair enough. When it came out, and as much as I enjoy, I like playing drums the most. But you can't just buy the drums separately. 
No. Unless you want, like, and I'm not going to buy. Those drums tend to wear out. I'm not going to buy them secondhand. So I was like, the only way to get new drums is to buy the kit. Like, it's not, it's not worth it to me. Are you going to get the fucking 27-piece Zidian kit? That's the funniest thing about That's crazy that the, that existed. Yeah. And absolutely. sold well enough for them to do it more than, like, I could see maybe 200 people. Oh, no. So when when you put together that Zidian kit, most of those songs in there don't have those symbols. No, it was only a handful of uh, songs that they had to, like, upscale. They did, like, redo. They had to do the same thing with uh, the piano uh, tunes and uh, when Rock Band 4 came out and they added the keyboard. Uh, there were a bunch of songs where if you played keyboard, you just played the guitar part or the bass part. Like, that was all you could do. Um but they did have some songs that were added with Rock Band 4. But all your, like, at that point, this is the fourth game in the franchise. And in maybe, this is the fourth one in like maybe five years. So it's like, there are so many songs that most people had in their library that just were, was not compatible with the keyboard. And then a lot of the songs that came out as DLC afterwards were not compatible with the keyboard. Because turns out most songs that are compatible with that like would work well in a rock band don't fucking have pianos on them. <laughs> so it was like a useless peripheral. And then they would just add in random notes and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's fucking all they did. Yeah. They would just like um, just arrange a piano part for these tunes sometimes. But then like same shit when they had uh, what was fuck what was that game? There was this game that came out that was like it's called like six string or something. That was like Rocksmith. Like Rocksmith. There we yes. go. And uh, that failed immediately because the kind of person who is going to like wants to learn how to play those songs on guitar will just do that. Like yeah, and I the kind of person Rocksmith. who like just wants that extra, that like extra level of like both difficulty but like also to actually learn while you're playing video games i feel i just feel like that was a very specific niche was uh, someone who wanted to learn guitar but also wanted to do it via video games based on a fad yeah that I did mean, go on for a long time it did. rhythm games did last way longer than i think a lot of us would have ex- would expect would have expected them to in retrospect at the time, like, you know, Guitar Hero came out when we were in high school. Yeah. I mean, I bought Rocksmith, like, last year or the year before. Oh, yeah? yeah. It was super cheap, oddly enough. Yeah, of course uh, it was. I bought it on a Humble Bundle, I want to say, for, like, $4 or gotcha. something like that. But the dongles where they get you. Yeah. And I yeah, bought it. either buy the, the guitar that comes with the retail version or it's, like, find something that, like, find the uh, accessory to the use so you can use any guitar. Yeah. It was cool. It doesn't really teach you how to play at all. Yeah. I mean, it does, but not in an effective. You're better off getting a method book if you already own mm-hmm. a guitar. You might as well just get a method book and you'll be fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, n- another anime that I watched was The Promised Neverland. And that was a manga that one of my boys told me about. Juwan, if you're still fucking listening, <laughs> I see you don't have a Facebook anymore. Shoot me that email, dog. Eric should have sent you it. <laughs> Shoot me that email. Yes, sir. All right. So, uh, yeah, it's the anime is pretty dope so far. What it's done versus the manga is it's cut out a bunch of the information that's not necessary. I mean, not not that it wasn't necessary. I shouldn't say that. But a lot of the character building stuff in the manga, they cut out because it's not 
there's such thing as too much information. And even though I don't feel like it was too much information, it would just be a waste on the show because then you would have like a 24 episode season and 10 of those episodes would be fucking family building or whatever. So you can get to know that get to know all the characters and understand that they care about each other a whole lot or whatever. And it's a relatively true to form adaptation and it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. I like it. Uh, I would say wait until there's a dub of it. Yeah. Because the anime's I, I'm sure there's going to be a dub. It's a good, it's a good manga. The anime is pretty dope. So I expect to see it soon ish. Yeah. And yeah, it's what it is, is I think one of the reasons why I like it is because it's a play on the American fantasy tropes. Mm. So if you take something like the magicians, which is super self-referential and like kind of fellates itself a whole bunch as it, as it goes on. And it also references works of the time like Harry Potter or the line, the witch in the wardrobe where they, where the characters openly talk about those things. But, they also are aping those things in the show. Mm. It's really, it's quite weird, but in the promise Neverland, what it is effectively is a fantasy background. These kids are in another world and there's this author who's written a series of books similar to the line, the witch in the wardrobe. And those are supposed to be the markers of how to get to another world. Hmm. And what they do, they've read all these stories and now they're like following the path to get to this yeah. place. So they understand fantasy tropes and, you know, hero's journey, that whole deal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even though it's not necessarily played like that yeah. in the book, they're not like referencing. Yeah. It's not like a straight. It's not like parody or satire. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 a lot of fun and it's more of an American ish story. I want to yeah. say it's not like weird in anime. That's one of my biggest problems with Japanese media is that it gets like really far up its own ass sometimes. Yeah. And I I assume Kingdom Hearts is just like that. It's very Japanese at times, even yeah. like despite being a Disney collaboration. There are some uh, things that I've just I just recognize now as being just tied to Japanese culture in a way that is. Like, it's enough that you can, if you, like, are familiar with it, you can, like, notice. But it's not so much that if you don't get it, you're going to be lost. Okay. But there's some, like, there's some character behaviors and archetypes. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. That's some JRPG shit. What a bummer. Oh, well. Oh, yeah. Check out check out The Promised Neverland. Don't check out Shield Hero. That shit sucks. <laughs> um, so this is, like, a quick, like, pseudo deep cut list of uh, some American comics you can check out that I don't either. These aren't all just like complete deep cuts. It's mostly stuff that I just maybe hasn't been, you probably haven't read in a while or didn't get attention when it was out. And then also one of them is an Avengers run, but uh Smallville season 11, even if you did not That's watch a comic book. Yeah. Oh, geez. so DC did this, uh, this push. So like Buffy season seven, I think it is was also in this like same run or like not same run. It wasn't like they're not, they didn't do like a weird crossover. That'd be fucking wild. But, uh, they did a run of like digital comics in like 2011, 2012. And one of them was a uh, Smallville season 11. Smallville season 11 is enjoyable. Even if you've never watched Smallville, it's just 
different continuity Superman comics that work really well and are a lot of fun to read and incorporate stuff that could have never been done on television. Like making a good show. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like the Green Lanterns get involved. Uh, Etrigan, maybe. Etrigan is actually not in the show. That In the comic, that would have been fun, though. Um, but they, there is some more like magic stuff. There, The Teen Titans get a whole thing. Um, but all the stuff like you that maybe have like seeds sown for in the series get followed up on. And also like Clark has all of his powers at this point. It's just, it's a good, it's just good Superman. That's the thing that I hate about a lot of the superhero media. Like they can't do a good job with like the shit that people actually want to see. There's a lot of stuff. Like I'm very frustrated by. Do you uh, watch arrow and all that? Dude, I am a full two seasons behind now. Okay. The Arrowverse stuff, and it's not to say that I I don't want to be caught up. It's just that I when I moved, I stopped paying for cable, and yeah, fair enough. It yeah. takes it just takes too long for stuff to make it. By the time like the last season, not the current, the by the time the last season as of now was on Netflix, I just got out of the habit of watching The Flash and Arrow, and I will eventually catch up. But I just like fell out of habit, and now it's too big of an investment like a time investment to get back into yeah and to the point now we're like i've seen a bunch of spoilers and it's that's kind of upsetting but it's whatever but yeah. smallville season 11 picks up where uh smallville ends but if you've never watched a single episode of smallville it's still enjoyable to watch or to read, to read. yeah um another one this is a limited series it's uh lex luther man of steel it's just five issues it's by uh, Lee Bermejo and Brian Azzarello. Uh, they also did, they did Joker in I think 2012. Joker was pretty a pretty big deal for people who read comic like American for who like were reading DC um, at the time because it was kind of like it's it's kind of its own continuity and it follows this version of the Joker that is a lot of fun. But uh, this is also like this is after Heath Ledger's Joker and it is very like clearly it's very clearly influenced by Heath Ledger's Joker. Lex Luthor, Man of Steel by the same creative team was written in 2005 and that's actually when uh I didn't respond to you earlier <laughs> is what I was reading. Mm-hmm. Like oh this shit this is actually still very good. Okay. You can track the trades are available. You can track them down. But you can probably also honestly probably find the original 5 issues. But uh it follows Lex Luthor and you see Superman, like Superman's been around for a while, but you only ever see him in the way Lex sees him. And he's just like super imposing and you never see his eyes. They're always either like just completely black. Like he's there. He's like his face is in shadow or when you do see his face, you don't see it clearly. And it's just, they're just red. Like he's, like about to use his heat vision all the time. Yeah. And he never talks. He shows up at Lex's office sometimes. Like he'll just be on the other side of the glass while Lex is like talking about <laughs> something else. And you like, and he, it's like Superman is the villain of this story. Uh huh. But not directly. He doesn't like ever attack Lex. He doesn't do anything to like tear apart anything he's doing. But he's just, you can, you get, because it's through the context of Lex Luthor, you see him kind of as this imposing menace you could snap at any time. Yeah. And he has one line. 
and it's great. And it only works in the con- I won't tell you what it is because it only works in the context of reading it. Uh-huh. But it's incredible. It's only five issues. It's definitely worth the read. Uh, then there's Spider-Man the Clone Saga, which don't before. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So this is not the original Clone Saga that happened in like the 90s that super convoluted over the top way too long <laughs> series that happened uh where my favorite costume came out of yeah, scarlet where, spider which is a great suit it is it's and honestly, the best ben, suit and ben riley is a great character um but so this is this came out in 2000 either 2006 or 2012 i can't remember and i should have just looked it up because i did read it today but uh i read it a couple weeks ago and i read like i looked at it again today but uh tom defalco and two of the other writers who were working on the various spider-man books at the time uh like the in the first issue there's kind of this forward that's about how what they they didn't really like say what they intended to do like hey this clone saga was this story that like was kind of following up on some shit that had happened before and it kind of got away from us Basically, there was like, hey, we went, this went on for too long. It wasn't written well. <laughs> and like, because of just like editorial stuff, but also like us not coordinating across the different books, it didn't end up being what we wanted it to be. So now here's a version of the story that kind of is condensed down to six issues, covers all the things we wanted, and also has kind of what we wanted it to what we originally intended the series to be so it's the clone saga cut down to six issues and it actually like it flows pretty well hits the same like narrative beats but doesn't take fucking 30 issues of comic books to get through okay and it's actually pretty solid having read both the original clone saga and this kind of revisit to it it's definitely uh Never look at any book that came out during the original Clone Saga ever again. <laughs> if you have it now, it's not worth it. It's all bad. Damn, with the hater shit. It's not good. It's just okay. not. Uh, positive energy only, please. So what, read uh, Spider-Man the Clone Saga, the re-release in 2000, either 2006 or 2013. It's only six issues, and it's the art is modern. It doesn't look like shit. Yeah. Well, not like shit, but like there's a distinct style. Like I really like Tom, uh, Todd McFarlane, who's the creator of Spawn. I really like his Spider-Man art, but it's very clearly like early nineties. Yeah, yeah. Just like everything that Rob Liefeld ever did was definitely the nineties. Yeah, he's not. Con- he's better now, but not considered not as good as he should be after fucking twenty years. Yeah, as someone who fucking draws comic books, presumably most days. Um, also, Patsy Walker Hellcat. This one's a little, it's a little sillier. This probably is more appeals to people who read comics like I do, or like consume media like I do, who just like like fun, silly stuff. But uh, it, it's, it's just fun. This is a cool, fun comic based around a uh, Hellcat, uh, Patsy Walker. You might recognize the name from uh, Jessica Jones. Uh, she goes by Trish. And Jessica Jones, uh, full name Patricia Walker. She goes by Trish in the co- in her black uh, her blonde hair friend. Yeah, yeah. She goes by she went by Patsy in the comics, and they did keep some elements in the show, like the fact that uh, her in the comics it was a like Archie style um, comic book series, like within the Marvel universe about uh, Patsy and her friends, and then. Uh, Jessica Jones, it was like a, you know, teen drama that was 
that her mom wrote based around her growing up and that's why like we're her but anyway hellcat is a fun character who has uh demon powers okay uh she's got hell powers and she's best friends with she hulk and she gets to do a bunch of cool stuff uh in this it is the art style is very cute but it is like it is still a good read okay i would just suggest checking it out i'm not gonna be able to explain it in a way that will like get anyone into it probably check it out if it looks too cutesy for you then don't read it but it is a fun book okay and the last one i'll do today is uh the avengers hold on that's not six yeah i got smallville lex luther patsy walker clones oh that's five yeah so before i get to the last one uh, avenging spider-man the avenging spider-man was a just like a team-up series of like Spider-Man and various Avengers. And this was right after, no, this was right before and then did overlap with superior Spider-Man. Okay. But it's basically like, you know, two or three issues or like between one and three issues of Spider-Man paired up with a different Avenger telling like just like a one-off story for however long it was. And they were just, it's just fun. Like, and that was kind of what inspired my, Marvel pick earlier was using Spider-Man as context for uh, a lot of the other stuff going on in the Marvel universe. And they're just like fun, uh, quick stories that are in the Marvel con- continuity or what was the Marvel continuity at the time. Uh, they're all just him paired up with another superhero and kind of how they play off of each other and how it works. But the last one I'll do is the Avengers. Um, the run right before uh, all new, all different happen, or right before Secret Wars. It's probably the best run, and I've read all of Avengers from. I, actually, I may have actually at this point read all of Avengers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've read every That's Avengers dedication book from Holy the 60s shit. to now. Everything that I could find. There's probably, I'm sure there's some stuff that slipped through the cracks, but just about everything from 1964 to now, I have read. Like, aside from like a few volumes of West Coast Avengers and maybe one volume of New Avengers that I have but haven't read yet. But I've read basically all of Avengers, and this is my favorite run of it, is by Jonathan Hickman, and I forget the artist I meant to write it down. But it started in like 2013. This was after John Romita uh, Jr.'s run on Avengers. But it's all the stuff that kind of like, it's this is the Avengers world stuff. It's a team of core Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, uh, Hawkeye, Spider-Man. And then it kind of expands from there. That's where we get like the most recent version of the century. Um, we get like, X-Men character, like basically anyone who's been a member of the Avengers at any point in time is kind of on this Avengers roster and it's all adjusted based on what's needed for that mission and it's done very well. It went from, like I said, about 2013, I want to say, until right up to uh, Secret Wars. This is the version of the Avengers that existed when right before the universe got like soft rebooted. Okay. It's a very good run. I think it's about 60 issues. 
and it's definitely worth uh, reading through if you kind of want to understand the the modern, like the current Marvel universe, minus like the stupid events like uh, Secret Empire and Civil War Two. Civil War Two was really that bad. It had really like it didn't end in a way that I feel like it was uh, leading into. I think it was. It started off pretty good, honestly. I did like the beginning of Civil War Two, but by issue like four or five of the main series, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, for sure. So that's it. And those are just some deep cuts that I like revisited recently. But yeah, uh, let's get into I guess what would be the main topic today. Um, we're doing comic book franchise fantasy booking and let's start with Charles. What do you got? What do you got for us? So I, I went back and forth when you hit me with this topic earlier, but I decided to go with what I'm just, I guess the most familiar with. And I would just scale down the DC universe. Okay. Like in film. Like in what ways? Like what what properties are you taking? What are you doing? As much I know, like as much as origin stories are played out. Well, that's not to say I would go with like origin stories again. I just need a a younger version of the universe, but not one that tries so aggressively to recontextualize it in modern life. And I think I do what I similar what I would do with a uh, Fantastic Four series is just set it earlier. Are you familiar with the series? um, Batman, Superman generations. No. So it was the series they did back in the nineties. I forget who wrote it, but it was this, uh, I think it was 12 issues and it was about Batman and Superman folks around Batman and Superman. But if they started existing when they were published and then their continuity is from there and continues on into the future. So, these are, you know, they're two characters that pop up in the 30s um, as they were in their original appearance. Superman does eventually like, get the rest of his powers and stuff. It all happens in historically real time. Okay. So by the time you get to, you know, like the 60s and stuff, Bruce has been Batman for 30 years. And there's stuff that comes like in like how it, it, the existence of these characters influences uh, world history from that perspective. That would be the best way to handle that fucking continuity. Yeah. Because the biggest problem that I have with the DC universe and basically all comics at this point is the wider impact of those characters on the universe. Mm. Batman and Robin, where they're flying around in a fucking car that hovers, is really absurd to me. Yeah. Especially because the the technology of the time for the average person hasn't caught up to that yeah and you're telling me that batman is this kind of super fucking genius Hmm. that he can make a hover car but he's not gonna make wayne tech fucking develop that thing for the public yeah get out of here it's like you gotta keep yourself at a point where you can afford all of this stuff yeah and i mean i wouldn't take it back to the 30s but like having them start in the 60s or something yeah i'd maybe go so recent enough, so probably like the seventies. I think the seventies would be a good point because we're coming. This is post. Uh, I think the Cold War is a fun setting for superheroes when the public is kind of like less trusting of 
authority because everything's scary all the time. You never like everyone was constantly afraid that uh, shit was just going to pop off at any given moment and be as bad as it was in World War Two. If not worse, because uh, we all know uh, as a species that nuclear weapons exist. Yes. And now you introduce uh, these mystery men. In fact, like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just pitching uh, the new frontier. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so you, you would have a franchise built around the idea of moving continuity, continuity that actually makes a difference. Yeah. I guess what, x-men first class was trying to do but uh functional and not randomly deciding to tie itself to different continuity i'd start with the justice society because that way you can still have your modern stories with superman and batman but not just devoid of context that's one of the things that as much as i liked man of steel is difficult is like this is a world that as far as the general public, especially at the time that the movie came out, and it was not planned to be a like a huge crossover franchise, like it has failed to be. But uh, it was like this dude comes in, and it was kind of they try, tried to handle it and like address it in uh, Batman versus Superman. It doesn't work. He's on a scale that's too big for people to just like accept. If you have a situation where there are there's that on a lower scale and it kind of society builds up to that and we've kind of got an idea of some, like a character like the Jay Garrick Flash and uh, even for like Batman like Wildcat and Black Canary being around and just seeing that there are just human beings who are out and they're doing this kind of thing and to the point where like the government gets involved and. Maybe some people are down and some people aren't, but don't make us don't be such a slave to the continuity and don't feel the need. Like I would jump around. I would have these period pieces where like maybe the first one that's based around the Justice Society is origin story ish because that's so we can figure out who these characters are, but also provide the context for where they come in, where you've got Jay Garrick and Alan Scott and Ted Grant who I guess Ted doesn't have powers and Alan is magic. (laughs) And I wouldn't even explain the difference between Alan Scott's green lantern and the space green lanterns because the pop, the general populace wouldn't know that there was a difference. No. And they wouldn't care. No, they wouldn't care. They were just like, Oh, well there was this, I just remember this dude who had this long purple cape. Fuck it. I'd keep the costumes too. set it in the (laughs) fifties. Have so that you can have these like pulp comic style costumes and just have it be fun and then, so you got your Justice Society movie, and you set it in the 50s. So we're like right post-World War II. Some of these guys fought in the war, and that's kind of the kind of thing that drives Ted Grant to get into it. It's like he came, comes home to the U.S., and the U.S. is not in great shape afterwards. But then you like, so you have like that kind of stuff in the 50s. And then your next movie jumps ahead. And maybe it's still based around... Maybe you still got some of the Justice Society characters. I just wouldn't explain stuff to people. I don't. People will accept superheroes. We know what superheroes are, and we can put your audience can get context clues. So jump ahead, maybe 10, 15 years. I would take also like a cue from uh, 
the action comics. I didn't put as much of this together as I planned to before I got over here. Oh, okay. This is why it like, sounds kind of stream of consciousness. But <laughs> the new 52 version of Superman, where like let's say it's the, the 80s or 90s, and he's in his early 20s. I would like an older Superman to be around now, like a dude who understands his place, but it's still modern stories. And or like I want them to be already experienced, but not like weird about it. I don't know. I don't know how to describe what I mean by like weird about it. I don't want to look like they're just figuring it out. I think we can all accept a Superman who knows what he's doing. Yeah. We can all accept a Batman who's been doing it for a while, but not in a broken way. Just a dude who's just been Batman for a while. A Batman who's old enough to have adopted Dick Grayson as a kid. And now Dick Grayson is also Nightwing. Yeah. Like a Batman who's, that's like one of the things in continuity that's bothering me right now is they're trying to keep Bruce Wayne in the comics like relatively young. Yeah. But it, also it, it, he has a 13 year old. Yeah. He has got a 13 year old. So you're kid, telling me that he's and then Dick Grayson is in his like mid twenties. Yeah. So you're saying he seduced the daughter of, I guess not seduced. He caught the attention of Rachel Ghoul and impressed his daughter to the point where, and Rachel himself to the point that they believed that Bruce was worthy of everything that they've built to the point where they, they would <laughs> partially clone him to make a perfect, like a perfect human from him and Talia. And now that kid is 13. Yeah. Yeah. Like let, let Bruce be in his forties and be like over it. Yeah. <laughs> like he does it because he has to, but he's not. They as- almost got there with bat, uh, Batman with Ben Affleck. Yeah, I think this went too far in the the mission is breaking him direction. Okay, fair enough. Because he's, I liked him more, toward, well, I did like a lot of his performance as Batman um, and I, BVS. Yeah, I didn't like the comedy. I, you yeah. can keep the comedy. But him playing a hard man works. Like him yeah. just being a fucking and, hard ass dude. Same thing yeah. with his, uh, like him in Justice League when he, again, like the comedy, because I don't like Joss Whedon, and a lot of that comedy doesn't work as a result of his direct influence. But even his, like, he's been doing this for a long time, and so he's prepared for shit, and he knows how to handle stuff. I think I do think that element works, so I'm kind of sad to see Ben Affleck go now. Yeah. Because the, what, what are they doing now? They're bringing in another young Batman yeah, for like, 2021. And somebody po- posted this fucking stupid ass article online. What if we did Batman, but he was black? And I was just like, dog, fucking give it a rest. Yeah, that's also, that's not like, that's not, it's not the part of Batman that matters. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't matter if he was suddenly black. Yeah, because he would still be affluent. And he would still not be able to get over his parents getting fucked. He's just a billionaire up. who should have had therapy when he was ten and didn't. Yeah, and like just by just by virtue of being a billionaire when he was a child, should have had some psychological attention. What there's you know there's this idea that whatever age you are when you get rich, that's when you stop aging because you're no one is around you anymore. Yeah, who will uh, call you on your shit basically. And anyway getting away from it just i would just jump around and i would just let especially with characters that we know i don't need to watch superman learn to be superman i can just deal with him 
being Superman and maybe show some like, or if you're going to show younger versions of these characters, do it in a way that is fun. Yeah. I mean, I'm so I'm of two minds on this, Mm. right? Because what they're doing now, if they, if they just abandon the whole DCEU and Mm -hmm. just restart it, which I think would be fine. It doesn't fucking matter at this point. And they do a young Batman. They need to do young Batman that starts, that started maybe like, in the year of our Lord, 2012, yeah. he became Batman in 2012. He's been doing it for a little bit. He gets his first sidekick and yeah. just do it like that. And like, you can, you can make Batman fun and serious. You yeah. can make Batman 66 or Batman, uh, or have the tone of Batman 66 and the tone of, um, of the Joel Schumacher ones. Yeah. You can use that aesthetic or that tone or whatever, and you can still make them fun movies. You're not going to have like dark and brooding Batman, but yeah, we don't need Nolan can, Batman again. You can even do a hard switch. Let's say it's, it's Batman and Jason Todd is his fucking sidekick and they're yeah. doing the Batman 66 shit up to a point, And then Jason Todd gets, gets murdered <laughs> and then you switch it hard into the Chris Nolan shit. Yeah, I, if to like just to see what shifts him into like different points in his life where like you see him post dick grayson where he's just like yo i can have this mission it can also be enjoyable and then have some shit just like break him down halfway through yeah it was like no i was a fucking idiot for believing that this could be anything other than soul crushing yeah you can do a lot with that story. Is that your pitch then? Mm-hmm. Moving continuity? I'm waiting for fucking Terry McGinnis. Batman. Yeah, move it around. And like that's the thing by like not restricting yourself to the Marvel Cinematic Universe model, where you're just like, yeah, all these movies are like all these this whole franchise is tied together and it's doing a thing. It can still be tied together, but give me vignettes effectively. Like give me different uh looks at this at different points in time and with different scales and different contexts let me have a movie where uh superman is in space for a bunch of it and has to like remember he has to go back near a yellow sun here and there and that's those are your stakes it's not that you know we're worried about the earth being destroyed but superman's doing some superman shit where he's just in space for a while he's got a space suit on that reserves uh yellow sun energy and he has to remember to recharge it. And those are the sticks. Superman's doing shit. You know he can do it. But if he's away from the source of his powers too long, he slowly gets weaker. And we get to see some, like, make some references to early Superman. It was like, okay, well, I can't fly anymore, but I can jump really far. Yeah. And I don't have, like, heat vision or X-ray vision and stuff. But I can still see really far away. And I'm still strong enough to lift a truck. Like, those sorts of things yeah and then but also the next movie can be batman <laughs> batman beyond where we get just picking one of these old dudes who likes to do action <laughs> movies and give him one scene like at the beginning of the series batman be- beyond where bruce is like in he's in this like he's in the the future suit but he's still fucking in his 50s and he has a fucking heart attack and almost uh, it's that's an amazing first like opening scene where he almost shoots that dude. Yeah, and he's like he realizes it because he's like he's about to fucking die because yeah. he's too old to be Batman and he's never let himself slow down and he realizes he's about to use a gun on a fucking teenage like a young guy and he's disgusted with himself and he fucking hangs it up. Yeah, and you could even have whoever you have playing like middle age or like peak Batman and age him up a little bit. 
gray his hair up. Yeah. Have him not Check out work Mahershala out Ali in True Detective season yeah. three. Yeah. He plays young and old and middle-aged in that same Like, we shit. can do that kind of thing now. But I'm saying, like, jump around. Don't make it... Don't, like... I want to be able to have uh, <laughs> the original Teen Titans in the same year that I have Batman Beyond. Like, stuff like that. Where yeah. you're like, just tell cool stories and don't make it... Don't just assume that your audience can't keep up. Yeah. The audience is smarter than a lot of people give them credit for. Yeah. Uh, so is that, is that a, about it for your pitch? Yeah. It's really just uh, trust your audience and give me cool stories from around all. You have so much continuity use it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my pitch is going to be, I guess about the same. One of my favorite things about, Certain comic books is that you can allow for really wacky, dumb bullshit to happen. Yeah. And in one of those series, uh, let's say from a studio called Boom Studios, they have a lot of licensed work. Now, this is a little bit of a cheat. I did a few of them because none of them really came out to be like whole good ideas. Yeah. But if you take Bill and Ted and make an excellent adventure series with them going around to each one of the licensed yes. properties in Boom Studios. Dude, I almost had this, I had this almost exact same light. <laughs> they go see Buffy, get to kill some vampires. They go to Power Rangers, become Rangers, that sort of thing. They go to Fraggle Rock, hang out in the caves <laughs> for a little bit. There's There are a lot of licensed properties there that would make a lot of good fun sense for Bill and Ted to just go do. And like if they come out at the end like extra fucked up about it, that'd be even better. Like when they go see RoboCop, that'd be really fucking good. Yo, RoboCop, what's going on? He just he, immediately is not down. Yeah, and he just tries to kill him or something. But that would be fun. That was number one. Number two was taking those old Hanna-Barbera joints and they've been doing crossovers in DC with them. Well, so DC has, I mean, cause they're, those characters are owned by Warner brothers. Yeah. And so DC has been doing, they did uh Flintstones. They did uh Snagglepuss. They did space ghost, blue Falcon, Johnny quest. Well, space ghost. And so those ones, so space ghost and Johnny quest, they did like straight, like kind of return to those original yeah. comics and stuff. They did. They did crossovers with them. As yeah, well. they also did. They've done. Yeah. I think three rounds now of crossovers. They did one. Uh, the first one was like right around when right around the New Fifty Two. They did another one a couple years later, and they just did one uh, post Rebirth. Okay. Cool. Cool. And those are super fun. Those are all silly and cool. Yeah, you could do a lot of real wacky dumb shit. Yeah, and- Elmer Fudd Batman one is. Better than has any business being. I'll have to check that one out. I like the Banana Bunch yes. a whole lot. Those guys are fucking hilarious. And you just you can take a bunch of those properties and do a bunch of really dumb shit with them. Yeah. But on the more serious side, you can also take Space Ghost, Blue Falcon, Birdman, mm. and really make... A bu- like a new Justice League with those characters yeah. and make an entertaining series of movies out of them. Yeah. Like Blue Falcon is tight. 
Harvey Birdman is tight, like or not Harvey it, Birdman, actual Birdman. Bird Let's say Birdman, not Harvey Birdman. But two bird themes heroes and yeah. Space Ghost. I think Space Ghost is actually one of the franchises that needs more love because that Space is, Ghost is. I don't know if you've watched those old cartoons. They're fucking. They're tight. good. Yeah, Sp- man, Space Ghost like and. The Herculoids has some like sillier elements to it, but that show is fun too. Yeah, both of them are pretty. Yeah, sick. some of those old like Hanna Barbera action series are solid. I remember watching those when before like Cartoon Network had like original content back in the like mid nineties, and like more and more, it was just at the point where people were starting to get cable. But yeah, Cartoon Network was just showing old cartoons before they really got into original content, and I just remember enjoying like that era of effectively like pulp comic cartoons yeah a lot of them are a lot of fun especially how subdued they are compared to cartoons now also i'd like to see moltar as a villain (laughs) that'd be fucking good moltar would be a good ass villain if you did just a bunch of like space ghost shit i would be down for that in itself i think you wouldn't have i the one thing i would worry about if someone was like, yo, we've got access to these characters, this is like, you know, kind of untapped, we can kind of do whatever we want, is they would like, I like Space Ghost's costume a yeah, lot. Yeah. I love that costume tight. a lot. And I think you could translate it pretty directly to live action, and I don't feel like studios would go for it. I think, I mean, you could, though. If I mean, the way I would do it is I'd basically leave it the same. Yeah. Maybe make it an off-white and make it textured like, batman suit was yeah and yeah that's a good point considering how the uh the batfleck cowl looks it's not i guess my brain immediately went to like uh nipple suits no my my (laughs) went to uh the nolan like the dark knight suit with that one sucks there's no actual cowl it's just like a kind of armored neck yeah but yeah cows work never mind i think that could be that could be fine. Yeah, and then doing... I mean, I'm down for Dino Mutt. You don't have to put him in there, but Dino Mutt would be cool if you make Blue Falcon and Dino Mutt more yeah. campy and fun. Yes, especially, like, the give, give them, like, contextually so that they all exist at the same time. Yeah, dude. You could have a campier character, like, some more campy shit, like Dino Mutt, work in the same frame as... <laughs> A uh, Birdman. As Birdman, yeah. who has a teenage sidekick. Yeah. Who's just wearing his Falcon. suit, but smaller. <laughs> <laughs> but then also Space Ghost, who's got two teen sidekicks and a monkey. And very powerful. Yeah. I think I read the more serious attempt at Space Ghost, mm-hmm. and it just came across as everything else. Oh, because it came out recently, and it's very self-serious. They're yeah. trying to distance themselves. Dark and from, brooding. And it's, yeah. I, I wish comic book movies were more fun. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons, like, Guardians comics. of the Galaxy is fun, like, works, and why Ant-Man works, is they let the inherent... There's a certain... There's a conceit that you have to accept with superheroes in general. I don't need my superheroes to be grounded. Oh my God. I just had the best idea for an end of credit sequence for space ghost. He's hosting space ghost coast to coast. 
That would be so fucking funny if it's just him sitting in the studio, just tapping the cards on the desk, and then like <laughs> the sidekicks are off screen running the cameras, and like we go live in, and then it's just him just sitting there, like, what am I supposed to? And who am I interview? Who am I even talking to? Why is Moltar in the control room? What the fuck? <laughs> that would be the greatest end of credit. I'm gonna do one day. You'll see a Space Ghost movie that I'm directing or writing or have some part of, and. Yeah, badass and it'll also be silly it'll be so fucking stupid you'll be like damn denzel you fucked this up (laughs) but i really respect the shit out of that end of credit sequence uh and my last idea was more or less it was actually basically on par with what you were talking Mm. about as far as having like a multi-generational story about superheroes because of course it's jupiter's ascending in jupiter circle and how they get their powers like it's this group of superheroes from the 60s and superpowers come into the world at the same time Mm. and they all get the superpowers and then they start fighting crime or whatever or doing good deeds for the world and then super villains start popping up and shit so that that happens like i think the most important part of that like you had mentioned is having the continuous continuity and i'm not opposed to like making three of those movies taking a 20 year break yeah and then making three more because that that would be ideal for those movies because yeah. you have this group of people who actually gets older and you don't have to tell those stories in between it doesn't really fucking matter no it you don't lose anything by not knowing exactly step by step how you got to those yeah like i i really like time jumps that are i guess time jumps that are done well but also like time jumps that don't make you like flash back to stuff in between every fucking five minutes yeah there you can do like the young justice time jump is solid a lot happens in that five years and they fucking don't tell you this is between season one and season two okay. i've not watched season three but the time jump between season one and two is five years and a bunch of shit happens and they don't tell you what it is. You get some clues like uh, the some of the members of the team are on the uh, just are in the Justice League now. Uh, you you do see a wing of the cave that has like former members who have like fallen in the line of duty, mm-hmm. but they don't tell you who they like. They don't really tell. They don't tell you who they are. You never see their names on screen. You have to just kind of like recognize them through their redesign for Young Justice. But it's just like, yeah, Dick Grayson was uh, Robin and he had been Robin for maybe two years in Young Justice. And then in Young Justice season two, he's been Nightwing for a while. And Tim Drake is Robin now, but there's definitely another Robin between them. Yeah. And they don't tell you anything about Jason Todd. You just know that he existed. And like, but you don't lose anything by not knowing all that stuff that happened in between. You get a lot of it from context. Yeah. Of what's going on in the story. And that's fine. Except that you're odd. That's the thing. The biggest thing with franchises in particular is that they don't trust the audience to put stuff together. Yes. And superheroes, especially, and especially like with this wave of, it's like since the Nolan Batman, there's this need to, ground everything but also hold your hand through stuff yeah and it's not like we if the christopher nolan batman movies were the first superhero movies to have ever come out that'd be one thing that would kind of that would explain more where we're at but the first 
Superman and Batman serials were in the fucking 40s. The character's only been around for 10 years, <laughs> and we were seeing them on the big screen already. Movies weren't in color yet, and we saw Batman on the big screen. Goddamn. So it's like, well, we get it. We can suspend disbelief. We'll accept that certain things happen. These are characters that everyone in the world knows. The Q rating of Batman Superman is higher than Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like, we'll get it. Yeah. One of my other ideas was a Marvel universe that is largely based around uh, Spider-Man. Much in the same way uh, the Ultimate Universe started, where we we start with Pete right at like the beginning of being Spider-Man. And other superheroes exist in the universe already. He's not the first, but he's figuring it out. But you do the same shit. I mean, the Raimi Spider-Man movies did... Uh, jump around time wise, and I think that's a good thing to keep and work because I don't. We don't need more than one movie. We don't even need a whole movie, really, of Spider Man being in high school. But I do think that would be a good way to set up this character, like to set up Spider Man as this character who is learning who he is in the context of the X Men exist. Uh, he doesn't know if he's a he te- if he's technically a mutant or not. You know, Tony Stark is around. He knows. You know. Peter's a genius, and he has someone like Tony Stark and Reed Richards to look up to. And, like, you can have context and stuff like that. But just let that stuff be. And then, rand- like, have those stories be told randomly. Not specifically in the context of Peter, but, like, that's how you introduce it. You have a Spider-Man movie where these characters exist already. And then the next movie is a Fantastic Four movie where they're in the negative zone the whole time. Okay. And then the next one is the next movie in that franchise is an X-Men movie where it's like, it's specifically like the classic first class of mutants. And uh, they're recruiting characters like Kitty Pride and Storm, like during that period, like the eighties, the, like the period that the, uh, no, stop going back to the eighties. X Men series. No, I get not not go back oh, to that time period, but, but like that version of the team. Oh, so the okay, version of the okay. team that we see in like the X Men animated series. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's like that shit where it was like so you had the original X Men: Beast, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Iceman, Angel, and then they you know had it was mostly just them for like twenty years, and but also have like a period where like yeah we've got these guys and they're older. And they're recruiting a new team from members of the school, but also like people all over the world. Yeah. And you can even continue to use Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man works great as uh, context for the Marvel universe Mm -hmm. just because of his age and just like his whole deal where he's just like figuring shit out and he can go back and forth between street level stuff like Daredevil, like, you know, like defenders level stuff. And, be a member of the Avengers, like stuff like that, where you can go and you contextualize it around a younger character who's moving in this universe. Maybe not necessarily make it Spider-Man have like, you know, have someone like Kitty pride be like a main character, like just kind of don't again. It's like, just uh, don't feel like restricted to everything's got to exist at the same time or, 
we've got to reference everything all the time. Stuff can just exist. I really like the idea of using Spider-Man because I think Ultimate Spider-Man did it very well. Okay. Where like the X-Men just showed up, but they're already a team. Yeah. Or, like he sees the Hulk very briefly, but it's only because they just happen to be in the same part of New York at the same time. Okay. And stuff like that. And you can tell, but because like you know in this Spider-Man movie that these other characters exist, like, okay, well now we can play a little bit more in this universe, but with just keep the fantastical elements of it. Stuff that already exists. Like we don't have to establish how or why it doesn't need to be grounded. Let's just get into it. Okay. Let's have a nihilist. Like, fuck it. Let's just have this dude <laughs> who lives in the negative zone and is just eating everything. That works. Yeah. All right. Thanks for the pitches, dog. Oh, yeah. Let's get into the questions from the subreddit. Reddit.com slash r slash real nerd hours. Uh, so this question this week comes from Juice Campbell. Super Bowl reactions. Surprised by the Pats victory. Bored to death by the game in general. Disappointed by the half halftime show letdown. Worse than the last few years, in my opinion. Also, thoughts on the Dot Hack series of games and anime. I've been playing through the HD remaster since I couldn't afford Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> I gotta say, that series deserves more recognition. Uh, as far as dot, dot hack goes, I don't really have an opinion on it. I played Rebirth back in the day, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, that was on the PS2. It was a while ago. I don't really remember. I haven't really yeah. kept up with the series. Same. I had the first three games. Mm. I just don't remember shit about them, yeah. honestly. It's, it's been too long. Yeah. Uh, and the anime was super popular when I was a teenager. Or the games and the anime were popular. I remember the anime being around. Yeah, it was like one of the first isekai anime that ever uh, showed up in the U.S., I want to say, or got the most popularity in the U.S. The isekai is where you're from another world and you get dropped into another Mm -hmm. world. And that kind of shit happens. And the hijinks ensue, except this one wasn't about fucking girls with big titties that really liked you. This is this is about a dude struggling not to die in this fucking video game, which was super lit. And I'm sure they existed before then, but this one was the most popular one that I can think of from around that time. And this is the first time I had ever heard of the genre. And the Super Bowl sucked. The Super Bowl sucked. I don't watch football, so I never watched the Super Bowl. Oh, but I heard lucky you. My uh, my roommate and his dad and his brother just being real. I heard they were audibly bored. <laughs> like I was just like in my room and they were in the living room. I could hear them being disappointed. That sucks. I did see a bunch of surprising amount of commercials uh, about how robots are scary and like we're better than them. That's a weird thing, right? I don't, I didn't even watch. So the there was a mix. There was a Michelob ultra commercial <laughs> where like a robot, they're like just robots exist in society in the concept of this. Oh, where people are being outrun by robots. Yeah. Like there's one that's like outrunning them and like, like a robot at a driving range for some reason, jumping rope or something. Yeah. And, but then like, and and then a robot walks by a bar to see a bunch of people like drinking fucking Michelob. And, but like the, the tagline or whatever, like the line at the end was like, a workout's not worth it if you can't appreciate it or whatever the fuck. I was like, are you saying that the kind of person who is 
who doesn't drink is a fucking robot. Or like, like just the idea that after a spin class or <laughs> a long run, that you just like go to a bar, get dressed up, go to a bar because everyone in. Uh, beer commercials is always dressed way better than most people who are just in bars at 7 p.m. Oh, God. Or when the day, when the sun is out yeah. in the winter, like it's fucking four in the afternoon and somebody's in a bar and you're looking around and you're like, Jesus Christ. It's like, oh, this is the third day in a row you've worn that t-shirt. But, uh, <laughs> but like the idea that you're rewarding yourself with a Michelob, like, yeah, like right. oh, this one has fewer calories. So this is a beer that I can have. Like, you fuck. It was just it's a talk. weird. It was a weird idea, but there was also like that um, Bud Light commercial where they were pushing around the corn syrup. I didn't see that one. That one was dumb as well. It was so Bud Light. It was like Castle Bud Light, and they get a delivery of corn syrup. Is that the one then, where the Game of Thrones characters killed everybody? No, that one was the follow up to the corn syrup commercial. Okay, that's the one that I missed. But yeah, it was dumb. They apparently Miller Light and Coors Light use corn syrup in their beer, whereas Bud Light uses sugar or wheat or some shit. Mm-hmm. And there was this hilarious video of this dude online. I presumably he's a corn farmer or something, and he was pouring his Bud Light down the sink because they were talking shit about corn syrup. <laughs> what what is uh, how did we get here just as a society oh god and the funniest part is if like, i gotta see one more thing dumped or thrown or poured into the toilet because a brand did something you don't like i'm gonna fucking lose it the funniest thing is like most of the people who are like dumping these products are the ones that is like oh people are too sensitive nowadays right and it's like motherfucker you paid for that why are you gonna you just- are it's already in your house just drink it and then don't buy it anymore oh god who fucking cares oh god so anyway uh the commercials were also bad the ones that i saw and the halftime show yeah that was fucking terrible yo the halftime show was straight up trash i the thing that pissed me off the most as most people uh would note they teased like they were gonna play sweet victory that was a weird thing to do yeah That was super weird. Like, they get the license for SpongeBob, but they can't use Sweet Victory. Like, what? what? Right? Because they announced that a while ago. That wasn't like a new thing that they... That wasn't like something they surprised everybody with. They were like, yeah, for like fucking Derek Dryman, we're gonna... Here's a SpongeBob tribute. Like, that was months ago. Yeah. Like, hey, we're gonna do this. Why would you even announce that if you weren't going to follow through all the way like get the rights because that's all spongebob did they were like they were going to use so in that the uh in the what is that episode called band geeks sorry other millennials don't fucking crucify me because i can't remember the name of that episode yeah nobody who listens to the show gives a fuck about Uh, that but when he uh so the original draft of that episode just had like original music for that scene and then uh, they were like, what would be funnier? And then they found this song that nobody had learned listened to in decades. <laughs> and just licensed it? And they just licensed it. And it's like, the, as much money as the NFL and Pepsi have separately, <laughs> there's no reason they couldn't have been like, 
yo, your shit's about to pop off again after 10 years. Yeah. Let's like, you know, let's work something out so that we can do, even if they just did. That's a, it's a two and a half minute sequence. It's not super long. You can still have fucking just a have verse a, of sicko mode or whatever. Nobody fucking cares about Maroon 5's and they She played, Will Be Loved. Right? They played She Will Be Loved? Like who? Fu- from who? fucking 14 years ago? Are you kidding? And it's a sad, slow song in the middle of the Super Bowl? No, you take that time and you play Sweet Victory. Maroon 5 has so many songs that were at least a higher energy. I don't think Maroon 5 is a good fit for the uh, no. fucking Super Bowl. No. But... Especially not in 2019. Uh, Beyonce, Coldplay, and Bruno Mars was the I would have had one. Lady Gaga back again because The Star is Born just made a bunch of money. She fucking jumped off the roof in the most comical way. That was... Her Luke. Super Bowl performance was... It might be my favorite one. <laughs> it's, there's no way that it was better than uh, Katy Perry's. No, Katy Perry's was... Pretty dope. Hers is dope. Uh, when she brought out that new burgeoning artist, Missy Elliott, <laughs> that was really so good. much exposure. It was so good for her. <laughs> and uh, Beyonce and Bruno Mars, that performance was fucking sick. Yeah, that, that one was pretty dope. Yeah, dude, those two were actually really sick. And it's funny because both of those were better than the game. Like yeah. uh, this time, the halftime it, performance was in parody with the game. With how bad the game was. Yeah, it was fucking When I terrible. like walked out to the living room and I saw that it was three to three right before halftime, I was like, this isn't, I don't watch football often, but I know this is not typically how football games go. God forbid the fucking Super Bowl. It was boring. And then, of course, those there are those hot take artists like, well, if you like real football, <laughs> then you'll you know. just understand it's like it was a good example of defense on both sides. And yeah. No one gives a fuck. No that's not what anybody's watching. That's no one. I don't watch. I don't generally watch boxing, but if I do watch a boxing match, I want to see someone get knocked out. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> that's why you only watch the heavyweights. Yeah. Like I watch the end of the boxing season or whatever like i don't <laughs> there's no there's no boxing there's no season. boxing season no. but i watch like the big matches if i'm it, somewhere where it's on so that's the thing though that's the funny thing about it because you're not watching the the only matches you're ever gonna see are the big matches because that's the only ones that you'll ever fucking hear about yeah you're not ever going to hear about some mid-card match or something like, i don't like, care about how good a how technically good a boxer is no you want to see somebody get fucked up i want to see someone who i want to see two people who are objectively a huge scale factor stronger than anyone i know (laughs) hit each other until one of them falls down and then to watch a bunch of rich drunk people lose their minds over it yeah definitely all right well I guess I hope that answers the question. Yeah. Any other? What, what else we got? That was that's it for questions. Okay. Yeah. I think we're checking out. For sure. All right. Well, uh, I'll do the sign out now. That's just going to get cut and move towards the beginning. Cool. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to this week's edition of Real Nerd Hours. Thank you, Charles, for joining me again. No problem. And uh, we'll see you. In, oh, wait. You can follow me on Twitter at that Denzel. You can follow Charles on Twitter at the Charles zero one. Excellent. 
Uh, and you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash real nerd hours. And you can take a look at the website, real nerd It's got all of our social media links on there and shit. Uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Bye.